You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. We're talking about the sixth episode of Killjoys, One Blood. While we will talk about anything and everything from the episode, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. First, we'll give our quick reviews, then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy from the episode, and we'll conclude by discussing the questions we have after watching this week's episode. Actually, we'll conclude with some listener feedback that we had missed from previous episodes, so a little different this week. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with our quick reviews. I really liked this episode. I like the plot gimmick, because it's a plot gimmick, but I like the plot gimmick of the neural link and I think the special effects that they had for that were, like, really well done. Me I too. That. I thought they were cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were excellent. They've got good special effects on this show. They I'm, do. I'm very impressed. And I liked seeing different character dynamics. We saw Dutch with Klein and with Big Joe. And we got to see the Jacoby brothers with Fancy Lee. Also, I'm excited that we got to see Fancy Lee again good episode yeah i liked this episode a lot we got to see dutch interact with klein we got to see their relationship fleshed out more but they didn't give us everything right away and like you said chris i love seeing the jacoby brothers team up with fancy lee i really liked it i love seeing this relationship between big joe and dutch and how they had a real history and i'm really not liking klein and how he's treating dutch but i think that's also the sign of like good character building that I don't like this character so much because he like has her get the neural link and kills a bunch of people in the process. And the scene between Dutch and the Jacoby brothers at the end feels, and I love my feels. <laughs> so I liked it. You know, we're not supposed to like Klein though, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I just I really don't like him when I'm like, that's good writing. That's what I was trying <laughs> to say. And acting. I feel like that actor is doing a great job. Yeah. Because he's so handsome, and I want to like him, but I don't, so that's good. <laughs> I don't think he's handsome, I just think he's a blankety-blank. Yeah. I think he's handsome. Whatever. But I'm I'm amused by your, like, it's good acting, he's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> His attractiveness is good acting. <laughs> what I'm saying is, he's attractive, which makes me want to like him, but I don't like him, so therefore, good acting. Oh. But come on, Annie, you don't think he's a silver fox? I totally think he's a silver fox. Uh, not my kind of silver fox, but, you know, you can have him. <laughs> and then Stephanie says, thank you? Thanks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked this concept of the Black Warrant, where we got the this competition amongst the Killjoys. I liked that as a as a setup for this episode. I like Johnny's enthusiasm about it and how he says, Davin, time to meet the rest of the family. And then he gets up to leave after they get the warrant and the other Killjoy has handcuffed him to the chair. And I'm like, Johnny, you gotta be better than that. <laughs> spider, wasn't it? Uh, oh, was it Spider? Yeah. I totally <sighs> missed that. That's funny. <laughs> it was. It was funny. I really appreciated his enthusiasm when he was mouthing along Lucy's message as she was replaying it. And that's not the first time he's done that. I love that. I, it just looks like Aaron Ashmore's having so much fun with those kind of lines. I'm like, oh, John C. This series continues to have all sorts of interesting stuff around social stratification, which makes the, my like little sociologist heart just explode with joy. Oh, I love this stuff, guys. I just, I love it. Sorry. I just, <laughs> your sociologist heart explodes. I 
love this stuff. I love it. So we have the introduction of this idea that if you live for seven generations on Westerly, it grants you a piece of land on Lathe. Lathe or Leith? I always forget. Leith. It's, Leith. Leith. it's always Leith. On yeah. Leith. Okay. And so we also get the introduction of this nationalist movement among the Lethians? Is that their is that their term? Or am I just I am I just so. going orphan black with it? <laughs> no, it is Lethian. Okay. <laughs> Lethian, pro Lethian, tomato tomato. We got a message on Twitter from I think it was Richard. Yeah. Saying that he heard the uh what what were they calling them? Well, I think he called them the Free Lethians. He gave them that <laughs> nickname. Right. And he said he thought of the Pro Lethians from Orphan Black when they showed up. Which, yes, I could see the resemblance between that group and the, the farming prolethians that were introduced in the second season. Mm-hmm. They are in a farm. And I, it took me a couple, it took me a rewatch to understand. Again, it's, I think it's now that this show really has a world and a politics and a class system that I think is really neat that the Killjoys always seem to be enmeshed in. It's never a, just a straightforward warrant that they seem to go for sometimes. And seven generations is a long time. I know. To get, I was like, dang. But then he's like, well, this farm's been in my family for 10 generations. But it, it, it's like, it's like one of the few times, I guess, Westerlins, Westerlins? Yeah, Westerlins. Westerlins. Westerlins have a chance to advance in their standing because, as we've talked about before, they're at the bottom of the trash heap when it comes to Westerlins, Lethians, and Cresci. Mm-hmm. But obviously, they're so, you know, looked down upon. And you notice how Dutch calls them racist. So I loved that moment when the guy says, This isn't about race. And she says, Racists always say that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I liked that moment a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Now, are the three Killjoys, can you guys remind me, are Dutch and the Jacoby brothers, are they all Westerlins? They're based out of Westerly, but they are, aren't actually from the Quad, if I'm remembering correctly. Right, really? none of them I is from the Quad. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. That's fascinating. Yeah, they're from somewhere else in the J-Star cluster, it sounds like, okay. but they're not actually from the Quad. Because remember, the, the series starts off with them explaining the setup to Davin. Yeah, yeah. And also the audience. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about that whole seven generations on Westerly thing. Because if you are reproducing fairly quickly, like saying every 20 years, you know, there's a new generation born. That's still a heck of a long time. That's over 100 mm-hmm. years, probably, that you yeah. have to have family on Westerly before you get to move up in the social system to Leith. Yep. And we had wondered earlier if uh, Dutch actually didn't like Potter, because Potter said she didn't when in her first appearance, but we didn't actually see them interact. But Dutch kind of seemed to maybe not like Potter in this episode. Well, I'm wondering now if Potter's had intimate relations with Johnny or something like that. Maybe that's why Dutch doesn't like her. I thought you were going to say has had intimate relations with Dutch. It's <laughs> like, well, maybe. Or that too. <laughs> Things didn't end badly. It's possible. I, I, I want to see that scene. <laughs> of course I do. I have Annie. to say, I was a little concerned by the the sexual tension that seemed to be brewing between Dutch and Davin in this episode. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll come around on yeah. the idea of them being a couple. But right now, I really, I really would just like the... The tr- our trio to remain platonic in their relationships. See, I'm resistant to it, too. And I don't know why exactly. <laughs> I think it's just one of those, like, 
it they've got a nice functional team going on right now. Right. And I like it. And also, this is something that we've talked about in, I think, all of our podcasts that we've done. We kind of appreciate this, like, platonic relationship stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's not something they do a lot on TV. Because it's always... Complicated. TV's always pairing up everybody. And, in, like, it's okay. You come to expect it. But I kind of like it when they don't do that. Because it's not the usual thing. Right. But. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing that makes me say like, oh, I think they would be a bad couple. I, I will say I do tend to like Potter and Davin. I think they make kind of a fun pairing. I think there's a lot of chemistry there. Uh, but I don't necessarily have anything ag- against Dutch and Davin being a couple. It's just that but why? Why do they have to be? Can't they just can't they just be friends? It's nice. Yeah, that's my take on yeah. it too. Like yeah. I I'd be okay with it if it happened probably, but Oh yeah. Probably, yeah. But I'm still resistant to it. I mean, it was really interesting what Fancy was saying is that less than, what, 8% of Killjoys are trios and they fail because someone's always, you know, screwing someone else. And when he asked Johnny about Davin and Dutch, and Johnny's like, well, it's none of my business. I kind of wanted Johnny to go, hey, <laughs> you know, I almost expected him to protest and go, yeah, that wouldn't be a good idea. Because earlier he did tell Davin, you know, I see how you're looking at Dutch, so and implying that that wouldn't be a good idea for the team. And I do like their dynamics and how they're working, and I just think it would be too complicated if one got involved with the other, so... Yeah, I took I took Johnny's response to Fancy just being more, he didn't want to air their business to somebody who wasn't part of the team. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's like, it's none of your business, Fancy Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and to be fair, like I I did feel like for in this episode it seemed like it was more Dutch making advances rather than Davin. Davin so far has seemed to have kept his promise to not make advances toward Dutch. But I it seemed to me like his decision to go to Potter to say I don't think we should have therapy sessions anymore was sparked by the fact that Dutch was flirting with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering where that came from. That but. was my impression, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think this is also a result of what happened last episode, because I think Dutch is sort of recognizing a bit of a kindred spirit, perhaps, in mm-hmm. Davin. Right, yeah. With the big reveal from mm-hmm. that episode. So, mm-hmm. like, everything's making sense to me. Right. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know if I want this to happen. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out, yeah. though. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I liked Potter and Davin before, even though... I have my reservations just because, like, she's his doctor and that's unethical. But I don't know. The I have I have some issues with Potter after this episode. I think I, I just I have questions now. Well, here's my take on Potter so far: is I really like her. I think she's very charismatic. I like the the actor a whole lot. I think she's funny. I think she's great in the role, and I tend to like Potter. However, I it's obvious that she's going to do some things that I don't like. And I'm okay with that. Yes. I can still like a character and think that they do wrong things from time to time. Fair enough. Well, that whole scene where she's trying to gain security clearance and the lengths she goes to do it and how Pre is kind of going, what are you doing? So that was interesting. <laughs> but it was also kind of amusing at the same time. You know, she's trying to get his ident through his fingernail, through his or through that, his finger, through I his eye. I was laughing just, pretty hard. During I was that just scene. like, "Oh my god! <laughs> How can the guy not know?" But he's that. that oh, he knew. Well, yeah. I, I loved it because it was so clearly a play on a typical sex scene, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just her. You know, 
desperately pawing him and trying to get some sort of identification (laughs) off of him i was cracking up even though i was like potter this is not cool i was still i was still laughing yeah yeah and i did really like the fact that they had pre bring up to her that what she's doing with davin is is unethical so i'm liking their attitude toward potter so far and maybe that's why i'm i'm not going to just say like oh i don't know about her as a character because i i like the tone that the show is taking with her so far that's true they are very much showing it as she is doing something that is shady yeah yeah exactly they're not trying to make excuses for her right i did love that scene with with pre that was great yeah but at the same time she's doing it for davin because she cares about him or cares about his case enough to take this kind of risk even if it's with questionable means but then, now that she got caught at the end, I'm wondering how she's going to get out of Westerly Prison. Transitioning into stuff that has made us happy, because we've already kind of gone there. I, as we tend to do. As we tend to do. I really enjoy Fancy Lee. I was happy that he, he came back. And particularly, I was tickled by Davin's dislike of Fancy. Like, <laughs> like I like Davin as a character, best when they're really playing a relationship that he has with somebody else like him by himself is okay but i feel like he really shines when they show him in contrast to somebody and just his dislike of fancy was just hilarious to me i loved his line about i haven't been punching him the last two hours i should have been punching him (laughs) i think that's a reasonable response (laughs) (laughs) i really liked fancy's his explanation of why he works alone and because he's he has to be the designated a-hole and he's he'll do what you know needs to be done which is shown in the end but i still think he's an a-hole you know because he's like well what is dutch touched underwear bra <laughs> and then davin says pervert and i'm all yeah pervert but it's like i like him but i don't like him so i'm kind of split on fancy lee well, I mean, the fact that Fancy Lee acknowledges the fact that he is the designated asshole. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, like you were talking about with Potter, Stephanie, it's the same kind of a thing. Like, this allows you to like them because they know that they're not the good guy. They're essentially playing their own part in, in the greater scheme of things. Yeah. But I do like Fancy's gadgets. It's very inventive. <laughs> Johnny's saying, you really are fancy. (laughs) (laughs) But you notice in the first episode, he had like the Mm laser-sided knife launcher thing. Mm -hmm. I also really liked when he was teasing them on the ship when he he licked his finger and stuck it up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I find him fun, fancy Lee. Absolutely, he's the designated asshole, but I, I enjoy him a lot. But he's a charming asshole. He's a charming asshole, for sure. I guess. But I did like that moment at the end, after he fired the shot, and he just goes and sits by himself. Like, that's his corner, because he knows he'll always be the designated asshole, and he'll always be alone. So I felt a little a little bad for him, or a bit of emotion for him there. I thought that was a nice capper to that whole discussion of him being the designated the asshole, designated asshole mm-hmm. and that, that you know, every every group had to have one. Yeah. Because of stuff like that, right? Because the mm-hmm. other people are probably not going to take out Big Joe, but somebody essentially has to in order to preserve the system. So, yeah. Yep. And I really loved, it's it's weird to say that I loved it, but I did really love that confrontation between Joe and Dutch when Joe was 
begging Dutch to kill him, essentially. Like, I just thought that was extremely well acted and well done. Yeah, me too. And then for, because we're talking about fancy, he said that's what Joe would have wanted. You know, it's true. Obviously, that Joe was Joe was begging for her to do it, and I think he wanted Dutch to shoot him because he cared about Dutch. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's that's it's a hard thing to do. I mean, and Dutch is somebody who do- we've seen doesn't want to kill people. I mean, I yeah. right, yeah, especially a mentor. So yes, I mean, Fancy Lee does a bad thing, but he does it for a good reason. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then th- this came to mind, which was kind of horrible, but yet still it's within the world of the Killjoys. So that's, does that mean that Fancy got, you know, he, he got the reward? Probably. He got the bounty. Yeah. Yeah, the bounty, which was a lot of money. I wonder, though, if he still honored his agreement to split it with the Jacoby brothers because mm-hmm. they helped him get to the to, to Leith and where his ship was. I don't know. I mean... The way we've been talking about him, I think he might have done it. I was wondering, too, what the the situation was exactly, because the initial warrant was just to bring him in. Right. Which Dutch did. Mm-hmm. So does she get the 10,000 bonus, or does it go to Fancy Lee since the warrant got upgraded? I'm thinking it probably went to Fancy since they upgraded probably. the warrant. Yeah. Yeah. But last week's episode was, which I loved, by the way. I wasn't here last week, but I really enjoyed last week's episode. And it was... Obviously, very claustrophobic. It's on this little ship. So it was really nice this episode, I thought, to get these beautiful scenes where they're walking along in these beautiful wooded, foresty, fieldy type areas. I I loved all the scenery this week. But is there lichen? There was no lichen that I saw, but I was still pretty. (laughs) Lichen! (laughs) It's my impersonation of you. We got an email from Lou, though, who mentioned that he finds the tendency on TV shows for heroes to be crossing the landscape, supposedly on a mission where they should be maybe a little stealthy or in a hurry or both. And they just kind of stop. They stop to chat and things like that. And it, it, he mentioned that for some reason that tendency tends to, to bug him. And uh, <laughs> I, I can see where he's coming from. I didn't feel like they were needing to be particularly stealthy, though I could see where maybe they should have been. Dutch should have been in a more of a hurry since she was mm-hmm. trying to beat her her crew there. Yeah. I mean, I have that issue very often to you. Although, to be fair, I don't think she knew that her crew was coming necessarily because it's not like anybody knew where they were going. Right. Yeah. Because it was just like, everybody needs to look for this guy. And then she left without telling anybody. So Right. She mm-hmm. had the coordinates. Nobody else had the coordinates. She probably had no idea that, the, that Johnny and Davin had managed to find the location so quickly plus obviously stopping and chatting didn't really help her because she got shot yeah yeah was anybody else finding the i'm there but not quite there klein really annoying he's like you better hurry okay we'd better go you know and he's just like i'd get annoyed with him it's too bad i wanted to punch him but he's not real so i think we're supposed to find him annoying Annie. yeah (laughs) again again, he's the bad guy okay (laughs) Well, my question is, why did Big Joe shoot Dutch to slow her down? I think, wasn't he trying to keep her away from that meeting he was supposed to have with the mm-hmm. the, Lethians, oh, the, okay. the free Lethians? Because he didn't want her to get caught by them. Huh? Mm-hmm. Now I got it. That, that was my thought. Yeah. Makes sense. Especially since, uh, you know, what happened right after that. Yeah. 
And I just thank you. You guys answer this dumb viewer's questions all the time. <laughs> and I loved the rapport between Dutch and Big Joe. I loved mm-hmm. that you know they greet each other with a hug, and then even when they're fighting, there's still this friendliness between the two of them. I just I I thought it was great. I like that storyline a lot. Yeah, I like that actor. During the East Coast live tweet, I said something about how it's like oh, it's like puppies play fighting. It is. It was. <laughs> it reminded me of my cats. I have two cats who love to wrestle, and it was it was like Ozzy and Narblitz wrestling each other. <laughs> it's like a big, lovable grizzly bear wrestling a puppy. Yeah. It's like those those animal commercials. <laughs> and something that I really liked is that when Davin thanked Dutch, you know, at first they seemed to be a little flirty, but then he's like, I want to say something. And I was like, oh, more flirting. But then he says, thank you for rescuing him on the ship. And I still owe you two lives. And then how he repeats that line later at the end when Dutch tells everybody about Klein. And... I was just like, oh, because she's like, if you guys help me, you'll, you'll become an even bigger target. And he repeats that line, I still owe you two lives. And Johnny says, you know, something to the effect of whatever you're in, we're in. And I was like, oh. And that that just, that's the last scene. I really like that. But it ends with this sense of danger because she says, I'm going to kill him. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work out very well. It never seems to. Yeah, we got a message on Twitter from Michelle saying that, you know, oh, they're going after Klein. I'm worried for them. And I'm worried yep. for them, too. <laughs> Me, too. Uh, again, I think we're supposed to be. Yeah, so for sure. Mm-hmm. Good job, show. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Toying with our emotions. Stop it, show. No, don't stop it, show. But I was glad that we see Dutch trying to work within Klein's rules in this episode. I'm glad it only lasted one episode that she very quickly decides, nope, I need to confront him on my own terms, in my own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that scene at the beginning where she's kind of like, you know, I, I'll go along with you, but these are the terms. Mm-hmm. And then he's an a-hole and says, by the way, everybody in this bar is going to die. Find the find the package. And I'm like, you are such a dick. <laughs> tea house, not bar, but yeah. Tea, tea house, I'm sorry, yes. It's interesting how he still calls her Yala. I mean, that's the name he, I guess he, that's her real name, I suppose, and... It's he's trying to control her. He's trying to remind uh, her who she quote unquote really is by calling her that name. Just doesn't fit her, in my opinion. <laughs> Dutch fits so much better. Speaking of Dutch's name, uh, Matt sent us an email a few weeks ago and mentioned he had a theory about where Dutch's name could have come from. He said, you discussed the idea that Dutch could potentially be some sort of royalty, given some of the bits and pieces of her past we have seen, specifically the instrument. And that made me wonder, what do you think of the idea that she was a duchess, and that is where she took her nickname Dutch from? Mm. Could be. But maybe it seems a little bit obvious to me. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was a it was an interesting theory for him to float. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that she tells the Jacoby brothers, like... You know, I grew up in a harem. And to me, that doesn't... Harem equals royalty? She says royal harem when oh, she royal first harem. tells Davin okay. that in episode four. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking more that she has contact with royalty, and that's why she had the instrument. Is that mm. perhaps to be a companion to royalty, you have to learn things like that. That's the equivalent of learning how to need a point, maybe, is learning that fancy instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, there's still a lot to learn in regards to Dutch's past. But we did get confirmation that Klein was her tutor at the 
harem. So yes, and not her father. Right. But I mean, there was, we were questioning that too, like whether or not Klein took her from there or whether he was part Mm -hmm. of that life. So moving into questions, talking about this moment where Dutch reveals to Johnny and Davin that Klein is back, did it seem to you that Johnny knew who Klein was when she mentioned him? Yes. Yes. That was surprising to me because we'd had the impression that perhaps Johnny knew nothing about her past, but perhaps she has told him more than, than we thought. Right. I think that was just a a wrong assumption that we all made because clearly she was trying to keep secrets from Johnny. Mm-hmm. I think we all assumed that the secret was all of this stuff about her past, but really it just seems to be that Klein was back. Because, yeah, from Johnny's reaction, when she says Klein, just from his name, like, clearly Johnny knew that it was terrible. Yeah, that he was a dangerous guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So clearly, she was keeping secrets to try to keep Johnny safe. It was a an attempt to keep him out of the line of fire. I loved that reaction that she had when he held up the picture of her and and Johnny. I just love how protective Dutch is about Johnny. I Um, love those two. Those two. Me too. Me too. I I love all three of them now, but obviously Johnny and Dutch have the longer, more in-depth relationship. Right. That might even outdo my love of the Johnsy ship. It's the (laughs) (laughs) platonic Dutch and Johnny ship. But yeah, I just... That's why I'm so worried about all of them going after Klein. So, And can they even kill Klein? What is with this guy? He takes I know, I- multiple stab wounds to the gut, doesn't make a noise, and then strolls away. Well, I was more like, instead of what's up with this guy, I was like, what is this guy? Is he some kind of self-healing alien? Or I don't know. I don't think there are supposed to be any aliens on this show, but yeah, I don't I know. know. But who knows? Maybe he's got some kind of nanite thing in him, or uh, I don't know. Could be. But I That's thought- a good point, Annie. Yeah, it's possible. I thought it was probably more a reference to the type of training we've seen that he put Dutch through, this idea that you have to just work through pain and not let it affect you, which we've but seen her you- do several times. But I mean, stabbed in the gut multiple times. Like yeah, four you can't work through that pain, and <laughs> maybe it's because it's sci-fi, but it, it's not like there's a lot of blood or anything, so... I was gonna say. Maybe Klein yeah. used to be, like, Hunky Monk, and so he's a, he's used to being, like, pierced and dealing with that sort of thing? I guess, but I mean, that's I think a he's bit a of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Or a former Scarback? I don't know. I think it's just something we haven't seen yet, but I, I love... It just in my head. I just wanted to say Hunky Monk again. Where's Hunky Monk? Oh my god, <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> but I love Hannah John Kamen in that scene because it seemed like she'd really reached the end of her role with Clyde and she and sorry. But I loved her in that scene because it seemed like she'd really reached the end of her rope and just stabbed him and then it didn't do anything. So it's it's just and for some reason I love the atmosphere that it was shot in the rain. But Was it? Was it? No, One of the scenes was it in wasn't the rain. Rainy. Oh, okay. The the scene afterward, I think maybe we do see her sitting and there's rain in the background, but I don't think it was raining in that scene. Oh, okay. Maybe not. Sorry. I'm glad that they did include such a violent confrontation between the two of them because sometimes they they string out these blackmail type situations for so long and you just think, why don't you just try to kill him? So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they put that in there. But again, yeah, she did. She did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
and, and it, it didn't, didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> Nothing. He didn't. He didn't even say "ouch." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, what is up with that guy?" So, so there was that, and there was no reaction to getting stabbed in the gut like four or five times. Mm-hmm. But he is nervous about that weapon. Mm. And I mean, obviously, that weapon is terrible. But why is Klein specifically nervous about that? Mm-hmm. Is a question I have. Yeah. Who's targeting him with the weapon? I don't know. Maybe someone is. But is that, is it him who is being targeted? What's, well, who I does mean, he there, there are many possibilities. To, I have questions. Because he said, well, that's to, what I'm saying. Yeah. He seems to have contacts within the company, but I don't necessarily get the sense he answers to the company. Well, who does he answer to? Because he says to Dutch, uh, if you don't obey me, there are other people that I answer to, and it's going to put both of us in danger. Maybe he does answer to the company, because he did seem to have a lot of information that came from the company. That's true, because he knew about the weapon being where it was, Mm -hmm. so how else would they know that? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering if that weapon's going to come back. I'm sure it will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They made a huge deal about it. Mm Mm-hmm. This was a random question I had when they were talking about the sixth level Killjoy and if it was a myth or a reality. And I was wondering, oh, is that what Klein trained Dutch for? To be this super duper Killjoy? Or it probably was something else, but was it? I think that's two separate things. Like, I, I don't think she was trained for a sixth level Killjoy, but I do think that they actually might exist, this idea of a sixth mm-hmm. level Killjoy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was training her for killjoy reasons but that's what came in handy when she went to become a killjoy so yeah obviously but i think i'm just trying to yeah i think i was just trying to say that her training is almost beyond any killjoy because of whatever Klein has trained her for because remember davin was saying to johnny you don't want to know why she's trained that way because someone put a lot of time and a lot of money into it right i'm guessing he was training her for whatever type of job he does because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. Ser- clearly seems to set up assassinations and and things like that to get information and and objects, some sort of royal assassin or something, mercenary mm-hmm. type. Yeah. They also in that conversation about the mysterious mythical six level killjoys, they mentioned Arkin, the fourth planet in the quad. I, it's easy to forget about it. I don't know that they've mentioned it at all before. Uh, but it's called the Quad because there's supposed to be four planets, but we've only seen action on three so far. They they did mention it in like the first in the or first second or second episode, episode, but but that was it. Yeah. I mean, it was basically just a, a mention. Yeah, but obviously we haven't had any adventures on Arkin yet. Just Leith and Crash and Westerly a lot. Well, because the implication is that you know Arkin is all used up and right. basically Dead. is a wasteland. Mm-hmm. So you know why mention it? Because nobody goes there. Now I'm wondering if they will have an action sequence there or something happened there. Maybe they're all underground. Oh, I'm sure they're there. going to reveal the mysteries of Arkin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometime soon. It'll be like the the 13th district in the Hunger Games yeah, or something like exactly that. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they're yep. all underground with nukes. And the same damn film of the bird fl- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, whether or not that has anything to do with, you know, a sixth level Killjoy, I mean, I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. That could just be some story. Yeah. Just because Arkin is all weird and mysterious. You know, something more nefarious is possibly and or probably going on there. 
Well, when they were mentioning it was a dead moon, I was like, Planet Hoth? <laughs> Sorry. But I'm Covered actually being being serious about the comparison to the 13th district because we mm-hmm. clearly have these bubblings of uprisings in Westerly, for example. It, was Arkin mm-hmm. taken back from the company by rebel workers, maybe? I don't know. It's true. Oh. Could be. Yeah, that could be interesting. Mm. Like they, the company's selling it as some sort of dead wasteland and really it's just so people don't go there and find out about the uprising or whatever that direction yeah. yeah that could be yeah. interesting mm-hmm. so potter is in trouble <laughs> i thought she'd get away yes. with it but i guess not well no because she's being sent to what is it west hole prison west hole yeah oh i was glad to see a callback to the first episode we got that guy from the first episode back here i like when shows do that like they didn't have to call back to that guy but they did because they could and why not i totally blanked on the fact that that was the same guy really they even showed it in the previouslys oh okay (laughs) you're assuming i pay attention to the (laughs) previouslys i try to not pay that close attention to the previously ons because yeah i didn't even think you liked previously ons i try i usually try not to watch anyway this is a boring conversation to have on the podcast we'll move on um (laughs) (laughs) so potter's in trouble how's she gonna get out of prison uh, next week? Is this the Killjoy's mission? Hopefully? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. If not next week, the week after. I don't know. Yeah, they brought up her crushy connections again, but still no big reveal in regards to that, which is okay with me. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I find it interesting because they sort of mention that again, and he's like, yeah, I got in contact with, with them, and nobody wants anything to do with you. So I'm like, what did she do? <laughs> yeah, like, it didn't make a difference when she mentioned that. So maybe it doesn't have as much power as she thinks it does. Because it seems like she's been disowned, basically. So, mm. you know, I, I would assume that it was something fairly serious, or... Or did she like somehow get involved with something going on on Westerly, and that's why they disowned her? I don't know, but I'm interested because they brought up all this racism and stuff. So I'm wondering if that's part of it. And the Crushies do seem to be elitists, so yeah, if she got involved with any Westerlins, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm just speculating. Just speculating. I'm also wondering if Potter actually managed to find anything about Dr. Yager on that guy's little handheld device, because we see her looking, uh, but we don't see if she finds anything, and she obviously doesn't get a chance to talk to Davin before she gets hauled away to prison. Right. Mm -hmm. Hanging threads to be picked up in future episodes. Lou also had a comment about this episode saying, seems like each episode creates more new questions than it answers old ones. I'm hoping that now we enter the second half of the season, they start increasing the rate of reveals. And I I can see where he's coming from, but I do feel like they've given us some information. Like, I liked that we saw Klein again in this episode, and we really got to see more of Dutch and him together. And I don't want them to for lack of a better word, I don't want them to blow their wad too quickly. I've had several shows that I've watched recently <laughs> where they're like, where I think, oh, that could be some good, good things that they could mine for dramatic material. Oh, they, okay, there, there went that. They killed him. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so I am glad that they haven't burned off their interesting material too quickly yet. 
Well, to me, it seems like the season's going too quickly. It is going like, too quickly. Oh, in the second half? And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So to me, it doesn't seem like the reveals need to be sped up or anything. I think it's paced really well. I think the pacing's great. I, I do. Because they are actually providing answers to a lot of the questions that we've had or or shedding new light on things that make us see things differently. Like the thing with, with oh, it turns out Johnny did know about Klein, you know? <laughs> I like the way they're rolling those out. By the way, is it too early to start a Renew Killjoys campaign? No. no. <laughs> renew Killjoys! Let's get it renewed, because yeah. I want more. I am having such fun with this show. This is, this is a fun show. Contact Sci-Fi. Everybody get all your friends to watch. <laughs> Rack Pack, Renew Killjoys. Yeah, there you go. We also got some feedback from Heather, and it actually is, is also applicable to this this episode. And, and Heather mentioned, in the pilot, Johnny gives Davin his bed. And in Sugar Point Run, Dutch mentions that Davin is sleeping on the couch, even though he clearly isn't, because where they have that at the beginning of that episode where they're chasing after the, the dude in the other ship, we see Davin like, wake up and he's sleeping in a bed. So it looks to Heather that maybe he's still sleeping in Johnny's room. So her question is, where is he sleeping now? Did Lucy turn into a TARDIS and just make another bedroom appear? Did they clear out storage space? Are he and Johnny still sharing a room and sleeping in shifts? If there was already another bedroom, all ready to go, why would Johnny need to give up his bed in the first place? I confess I never thought about beds that deeply on Lucy. (laughs) I just like her voice and her snark. Maybe they have built another bedroom. But you know what I like is the couch and like their bar-like area. Me too. It's like, who needs a bed when you have that? It is a good question, Heather. I don't really know. Because I, I, I guess part of me was just assuming that he and Johnny were just taking shifts in Johnny's room. But it's possible that they did just like clear out one of the rooms that just wasn't ready wasn't a bedroom. Maybe they went and got another bed with the war into money from from Tavin's first job. I mean, I don't know. See, I, I was thinking maybe they had a room where, you know, you just, just shove your junk in there. Maybe there's some old workout equipment that they didn't use anymore. They had some, I don't know what the equivalent of a yard sale would be in this universe. <laughs> a ship sale? A, a, a docking Bay? Shit, what, what the hell is yeah, that? A, a, dock a docking sale. <laughs> a yeah, dock I like sale. that. I don't know. Sold, sold off some of the, the crap that had been collecting on the ship and found some space for Davin. I'm sure there's like an equivalent of a pawn shop in the Leith Bazaar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Old Town. Yeah. But we did see again in this episode that Johnny does seem to have his own room. So that is a that is a good question, Heather. It surprised me, though, that the idea that Lucy wouldn't have had three bedrooms worth. She seems like a pretty big ship. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea that maybe there was just, you know, an extra room that was an office or something that just didn't have. <laughs> you know, maybe there was... That's used maybe to that's where the... <laughs> well, well, now that we're talking about the idea of a dock sale, I can just see when they're putting everything out. Okay, we're going to get rid of this. We're going to get rid of this. And Lucy going... Please stop, John. I want that. <laughs> you <know? laughs> we're not getting rid of that box. But that was my transponder from when we first met, John. <laughs> I also wanted to mention some feedback from Matt because he made me feel like, especially you, Chris, actually, he made us made me and feel like you and I just fell down on the job. Because he mentioned when Dutch told Johnny in The Harvest that he was irreplaceable to her, I was shouting so many ear-replaceable jokes because his ear got cut off. 
And I'm like, damn it, we did not make any ear replaceable <laughs> jokes. And you didn't, none of us thought to tweet uh, with the little ear icon when we were I did. live tweeting. Oh, you did? Okay. You, I don't think I did it on the live tweet night, oh, but I okay, did okay. later that week. And I don't use emoji, you know that. I use nothing but emojis. <laughs> I try to resist my emojis when I'm live tweeting, but sometimes I can't. So, oh. But you did remember to tweet rats during Space Rats, so. Good job. Yeah, I actually, that irreplaceable moment, it took me a second because the way that she says the line, Hannah John Common, and I don't mean this as any insult or anything like that. This is just the way she said it. She says, you're, and then she pauses and she has kind of an emotional moment and then says, irreplaceable to me. And since there was that pause, I thought at first when she said irreplaceable, she repeated your again and said you're replaceable to me. I thought that's a shitty thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be an emotional moment, but Stephanie interprets it as cruel, heartless moment again. I was going to say, that's not a criticism of, of Hannah John Common. That's a criticism of Stephanie. I know, that's what I'm saying. That's like it's Hannah. It's me. It's me and my mean brain. <laughs> it is. But we love your mean brain. Well, thank you. But you're terrible. I no, know. I'm <laughs> I know. So thank you to everybody who sent us in feedback. Again, I apologize that we didn't get those emails until just recently. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode, One Blood. Send us your feedback to killjoys at askgenretv.com. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. We live tweet on Fridays during both the East and West Coast airings of Killjoys in the U.S. and Canada. Follow us on Twitter at Killjoys Podcast to join in on the fun. You can see all of Annie's emoji. We are also on <laughs> Tumblr as Killjoys Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you in the quad. 